0: Today's episode is brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. Pineapple flavor. It tastes like... This is not good. (laughs) (laughs) This tastes like a badly watered down White Claw. (laughs) And White Claw is already a watered down beverage. This is like going to Carl's Jr. when you want to go to Hardee's. Or a kangaroo instead of a circle K, or a checkers instead of a rallies. Oh. I I got more. You want me to keep going? Yeah, sure. I'm kidding. No. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we be the vengeful sluts. You can just call us eager. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are covering White Women Behaving Badly, Volume 97, (laughs) My Best Friend's Wedding. (laughs) Guys, 1997, it was a time. Yeah, yeah, it was a time. This is white people's favorite movie of all time, I guess. Which is, I I guess I wasn't aware being (laughs) ingrained in the white culture for my whole life. How did I not? How have I never seen this movie? Yep, we've got privilege, we've got heteronormative romance tropes. It's gonna be a fun ride today. I was set to hate this. I know you were! I was, this movie, this film, guys, (laughs) hopefully you've seen it. This film is whack. From beginning to end, top to bottom North to south, east to west Whack It is one of those movies that is definitely from a different time But for some reason I watched it three times this week It's chaotic neutral It really is You know what I mean (laughs) Really slanting towards chaotic evil if you ask me Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at kick and stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And remember, folks, practice the three R's, rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everybody to be able to join this watch party. The last time I checked our Apple podcast reviews, we only had like about 14 And And, guys, come on. Like, that's a year and a half. That's a nice number, but we'd really love some more. So if you haven't given us a review yet, we'd really appreciate it. I'm sorry. I'm not shaming our... I'm not... I I hate that we say viewers. (laughs) This is a podcast. You think we'd figure out the right terminology by now? Right. Sorry, not shaming our listeners at all whatsoever. Just, like, hit that retweet button and leave us a review. Like, the more you interact, the more it helps us. It mo- mostly it helps me, because I have actually taken over the social media now. Like, actually. Yeah. I'm a little inexperienced, but we're going to get there. All right, you ready to run to the altar? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Michael and
1: Julianne have been best friends for years. One constant thing in my life is that he'll always be there. But they were never more than that. Call me four in the morning, whatever, we gotta talk. Until he popped the question. I called because I met someone. To someone else. Well. We're getting married. He was in love with me every day for nine years. <laughs> me?
0: I can see why. Look,
1: she has known him for, what, five seconds? I can't lose him, George. I'm a busy girl. I've got four days to break up a wedding and steal the bride's phone. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: See the girl with the diamond ring. She knows how to You know, I've never girl. had a sister All I've heard is, is
1: Julianne this and Julianne that Michael and I were a wrong fit right from the start He said that too George, she's toast The only fear she really has Is you
0: So this means that I have four days To make you my new best friend
1: And be my maid of honor What? Why not? You're practically the best man anyway I just asked myself, what would Lucy Ricardo do In this situation? moment i wake up before you put on dry star pictures presents i'm the bad guy a story about finding the love of your life do you really love him and deciding was is just about winning what to do about it i trusted you just tell me what. why did you trust me no why did you pretend to be my friend julia roberts oh dermot moroni and cameron diaz love live together my best friend's wedding michael that's our maid of honor
0: she's from new york oh. How is this a different kind of love story? It's a different kind of love story because the heroine, quote unquote, is definitely the villain of the story. Like, I'm just going to spoil it for you right now. Julia Roberts is the antagonist. When I looked at you and said, am I just going to be watching Julia Roberts be problematic for two hours? And I said, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. This has been renowned as a global box office hit. I know, right? I mean, let's talk about this prophet for a moment. A uh, Two hundred and sixty one million dollar profit. I mean. Profit? Yep. As in after they made the budget back. Exactly. Holy crap. I know. I know. And it's, you know, I, I thought this movie was gonna be like two and a half hours. It's a hundred minutes. I know, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's just it's, about enough. It's a nice little hundred minutes. And of course, everybody, I, I I don't know how this film is known for the for its soundtrack, but it is. <laughs> Everything you would expect to hear in an intellectual gay man's apartment, it's here. Do you know who composes this film? Tell me. James Newton Howard. No! Yes! Guys, you know my affinity for James Newton Howard. If you listen to The Village, you know my affinity for James Newton Howard. Yeah, some of the score to this is really jazzed. Like, towards the end when they're chasing each other across the lawn. Mm. I like that track. Mm. As always... We have names. In her third kicking kicking-in streaming appearance, Ms. Julia Roberts. Guys, it's that time of year (laughs) where Julia Roberts just thrives. (laughs) February. All of the romantic comedies. I just want to say, when I looked this up on Netflix to watch it, Right next to my best friend's wedding, with Julia Roberts on the cover, was another film with Julia Roberts on the cover called *Runaway Bride*. You know who's in *Runaway Bride*? Who? Elliot Stabler, Chris Maloney. Chris Maloney. <laughs> oh God, is he her boo thing in that? Yeah. Oh, that's an on-screen romance. I I think I could do without. It looked. It looked categorically inferior to My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, I think it is, but that's a story for another day. We have, in his first kicking and streaming appearance, and maybe only, I don't know, Mr. Dermot Mulroney. Not Dylan McDermott? Not Dylan McDermott. (laughs) I always get them mixed up. Guys, you know Dermot Mulroney. Maybe you know Dermot Mulroney from things like Angels in the Outfield? Right. Uh, He's in Insidious Chapter 3, oddly. I don't know why. I don't either. I love him in August, Osage County. You know him for his stint as Sean Pierce on Showtime's Shameless. Didn't he have a bit role in Cult, too? Oh my god! You're so right! He was on American (laughs) Horror Story, Cult, and it was weird, and he had a gimp, and he's Uh... (laughs) murdered really horribly. That whole season is just so visceral. I know. In her third kicking and streaming appearance, we have Ms. Cameron Diaz. Folks, she was in, like, our third episode ever. Shrek. Shrek. Of course, and she's our lovely Princess Fiona. And we covered the holiday, which I accidentally loved, and... <laughs> 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 and then I... And now I've accidentally loved this. We have our accidental love Cameron Diaz picks. Accidentally <laughs> in <laughs> love. Oh, and it full circle to Shrek. <laughs> I love it. This is why we're partners. Guys, you know Cameron Diaz from shit like everything. What to expect when you're expecting... Um, The mask. Um, Charlie's Angels. Angels, Gangs of New York. Do I mention Bad Teacher? (laughs) No! Exactly. You know what? We are going to cover that someday, but Mm -hmm. just to rip it apart, okay? All right. Just to rip it apart. And guys, she was in the 2014 adaptation of Annie. I'm coming back to that later. uh, Do we have to? Oh, we sure do. Do we have to? We have in in his first kicking and streaming appearance, I did not know this was him. Oh my God! Because I don't know if I've ever seen him. In the flesh. Yeah. Mr. Rupert Everett is here. Yes. In his first kicking and streaming appearance. I don't, that's the other thing. I don't know if I've ever seen him in the flesh. Like, I love that he was in Shrek 2 with Cameron Diaz. Yes. As Prince Charming. <laughs> Absolutely. He's in The Madness of King George, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> he's, oh my God, he's Dr. Claw in Inspector Gadget. He's in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He voices some, he voices that fox. Ah, uh, that's right. He does have a very lovely speaking voice. And he has a lot of. Voice work, mostly in the Shrek saga. Guys, Paul Giamatti's here for like thirty seconds. Yeah, I knew, I knew you were gonna love that. I was like, oh my god, it was John. <laughs> it's John Adams, like, and he's just he's a bellboy. You met Paul Giamatti once. You, I did. You, I mean, you didn't meet him, but you saw him. No, we were uh, on the street of New York City while we were on a tour with our theater group, and. We were just waiting for a tour to start, and we were out on the sidewalk, and he walked by in his coat and his sunglasses, and my friend opened her mouth and went, are you? And he went, yup, and just kept walking. (laughs) It's okay, Paul. I know you got shit to do. I just love that I am six degrees of separation away from Paul Giamatti. (laughs) Because I saw him one time on the street. You saw him with your eyes, and both of our eyes came from the same womb. (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) I see how the math works out there. Okay. Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, planning and dreaming, each night of his child. I also wrote, wow, I hate it already. <laughs> Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying. Fuck. <laughs> No. We've got this bridal party in front of just this blank pink background, and they're singing us that Dusty Springfield song, and it's all cutesy, and, like, it's just, it's so... I don't know why this sequence is here other than to butter us up for a completely unreasonable story about true love. All right, so we open on a busy high-end restaurant. I wrote, oh, shit, this is a kitchen. Uh, Yeah, no, this is a well-functioning kitchen. This bespectacled Gordon Ramsay motherfucker. Oh, yeah, no. Is really on one. Because they are preparing a dish for a big deal food critic, Julianne Potter. Mm. She's such a big deal that the head chef in the kitchen looks at one of the sous and says, I will kill your whole family if you don't get this right. That's some serious shit. (laughs) (laughs) Julia Roberts is here as our, quote, heroine, and I am using air quotes there. I'm writing it up as inventive and confident i don't like julianne she is very judgy and she has a false sense of importance in her judginess i mean she is a food critic like a big deal but she's a complete control freak she has this paralyzing fear of commitment and she's constantly upending everyone else's life to meet her needs like she's not exactly a desirable main character I'm also probably going to end up calling her Jules, because that's what Michael calls her, so I'll probably call her that from time to time. Mm. We meet her editor and best gay, George. I love George. Rupert Everett. Did the chat from Newsday, of cool? I'll check my machine. Is this a real interview, or just some cute guy that you're trying to set me up with?
1: Please, Julianne, I don't send you men anymore. You haven't got the first idea what to do with them.
0: He's. That's part of the movie. Like, that's just, that's going without saying. You think so. Yeah, George is one of those 90s intellectual gays, obviously very literate, great taste, dressed like a GQ cover. Like, if I were a man, there is not a thing he couldn't make me do. That haircut. I know! What is with the 90s and that haircut on the, men? The floppy hair? Like, Matt. Da- all I think of is Matt Damon in Good Will Hunting. <laughs> yes! Like, it's that haircut. Julianne checks her voicemail on this ancient mobile telephone, the kind with buttons and a little antenna. And she gets a voicemail from her best friend, Michael. My Michael O'Neill. Michael O'Neill. My Michael O'Neill. Yeah, she refers to him as her Michael. Uh-huh. They went to Brown together, had a month-long fling, and Julianne broke up with him because she got, quote, restless. She has a fear of commitment, okay? My little by heart I, I would, know. I want to go to Brown with them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you all would have been fast friends. Uh. And Michael sobbed like a baby when she broke up with him. And they said the thing that makes me want to cry is I'm losing the best friend I ever
1: had. Oh. And at that moment, I knew I felt the same way. So I cried for maybe the third time in my entire life, kissed
0: him, and we've been best friends ever since. They made a blood promise? Oh no, yeah, that creepy, literal, hetero blood pact they made. They promised to marry each other at like 28? That's deep. Like, if neither of them were married, they were gonna marry each other. <laughs> I wrote, a blood promise of marriage? Oh god! <laughs> George is like, well, aren't you about to be 28? And she goes, you don't think. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> Jules gives Michael a ring-a-ding-ding on her hotel phone. You know it just really took my pants off? What? Hey, beautiful. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm already in love. Like, I haven't seen you yet, and I'm already <laughs> in love.
1: Hello. You've been enrolled in the obscene caller of the month. Club. Hey, hey, beautiful! It's so great to hear your <laughs> voice. I miss you. I've been, i I've been calling you for over a month. You know. You well, mean. I've been on a book tour. Well, I figured you're out of town. No, I mean my machine eats all my messages. Or you're and... just averaging 30 days to return a call.
0: Well, it's less when it's you. Their chemistry is fabulous. This is the gayest hetero friendship ever. Like, I love it. You can't even see him, but you can hear in his voice how excited he is to talk to her Mm -hmm. and, like, how nervous he is because he's got big news. You guys know what's coming, right? Oh, no, no. (laughs) They listen to the trailer. They know what's going on. And so she's trying to bring up the blood-packed thing. She's taking entirely too long to do it. And finally, he just interrupts her and says, Jules... I met someone. Oh no, he's never felt this way about anyone. Oh no, she's 20 years old. Oh no, there's again age disparity with Dermot Mulroney's on-screen relationships. She's almost 10 years younger than him. I mean, like, she's like, what, eight years younger than him? Yeah, she's a junior at University of Chicago. But, and like, her parents have media mogul money. And I, he's met them. Yeah, he's- She's m- like, oh, you met the parents? <laughs> oh, fuck. This is serious. Like, Daddy owns a cable company and the white side what you <laughs> the white socks also also they're getting married on sunday he tells her he's getting married in four days and she <laughs> falls off the bed uh, hello? What? hello
1: michael it's it's wednesday night how can you possibly be getting married on sunday Actually, it all starts tomorrow, and it's one of these four-day weddings with all the traditional events and, like, 10 million people flying in from
0: all over the world. Okay, okay, okay. This is too fast! (laughs) I said, oh... Oh, she's upset. Oh, she's upset. Oh, she's really upset. Oh, no. The longer he talks about Kimmy, you can see the light going out of her eyes. She absolutely hates this. (laughs) She's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How is everything slipping away from me so fast? And he's earnestly pleading with her on the phone. Please come hold my hand or I'll vomit from fright. I need you. Oh, I know! Oh, she needs her! You, that would get you on a plane and you know it. <laughs> Shut up. I am, do not, I am not the Iris Simpkins in this situation, okay? And we're smoking. Cut to George driving a very manic Julianne to the airport. Listen, Jules, why don't we just stop and have a drink? You can take a later flight. No, 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 no. I'm a busy
1: girl. I've got exactly four days to break up a wedding, steal the bride's fella, and I haven't one clue how to do it. He adored me for nine goddamn years. Me! (laughs) I can see
0: why. Look, she has known him for, what, like five seconds? I can't lose him, George. Oh, I know. The drama of it all. And I know George is her best gay, but he is just perpetual eye roll at her. Oh, no. Here's the thing. I don't care what she says about Michael being her best friend. In actuality, George is her best friend. Yeah. And I will make my case throughout. Mm -hmm. But, like, let's start with the fact that he's driving her to the airport so she can perpetuate an evil scheme to two people who literally did nothing to her. I can't believe she immediately just decided, okay, I'm breaking this up. I don't where to start with this awful plan. Number one, I think it's laughable that any person anywhere thinks they can pull this off. Like anyone who manages to pull it off, circumstances pending would probably be ruining a few lives in that process. So to hell with that keep your schmaltzy soundtrack and unrequited eye contact. I will not have it. You give
1: your hand to me And then you say hello And I can
0: and we are in lovely Chicago. Oh, Chicago. I miss it. Michael comes to pick Jules up at O'Hare, and they lock eyes in the terminal. And just as much as it sickens me to say this, you can see the adoration and love in both of their eyes. Like, it's just, without even speaking, it's- enrapture's raptures the right word. Carrie? <laughs> well, do you want to say a few words? I just, all right. Because this is, we're seeing Michael for the first time. I, I'm schwitzing. Oh! He's nineties hot, right? Carrie, <laughs> I can't even speak. <laughs> I what I wrote was, oh, he's fine. Uh huh. But like. I was like, oh, that's so many teeth. <laughs> like when he smile I love his smile. Oh my god. All those perfect straight white teeth. He's my type. Oh my good gracious! No, he really is. Both him and George, both my type. I love him tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> but You better watch out for Julia though. This I know, but this is where I <laughs> You're right. She'll slice your Achilles' tendons. But this is like where I kind of began to understand Julianne. I was like, yeah, I feel like I'd do some crazy shit for that too. <laughs> Mm. Well, I'm glad we know who this movie was made for. (laughs) What I wrote was, that many teeth means trouble. (laughs) 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 Even though he just has a human amount of teeth. But, uh uh-oh, we've brought the future Mrs. Michael. Oh, fuck Cameron Diaz. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time to talk about Kimmy. You did not tell me this was a crossover. Oh, I didn't, She's from Stepford. Oh, absolutely. You guys remember when we did the Stepford Wives? She is straight out of Stepford, Connecticut. She's thin, white, blonde. She's dripping with privilege. She's got an Hermes scarf on. I know. (laughs) However, she is very sweet and pleased as punch to be meeting Julianne. At number four, the fourth thing about Kimmy she is a chaotic driver. Right off I have this monstrous favor to ask you. Excuse me? My best friend Angelique shattered her pelvis line dancing in Abilene over spring break. Be my maid of honor? What? Um, should you, uh, vote, a, a bridesmaid or someone that you've known at least 45 minutes? Be my maid of honor? Kimmy asks her, To be her maid of honor. She's going way too fast. This is how I felt in Chicago. Like I think this is a comment on how people drive in Chicago. Like, people in Chicago, I've said it before, don't drive like they want to live. Like, and I just, uh, that's my opinion. And, like, Michael is in the back of this convertible relaxed. He's not wearing a seatbelt. If she hits something, they're gonna be fishing his body out of Lake Michigan. Like, I feel you, Jules. I feel you in this moment. Like, there's so much happening. This movie's chaotic. Like, it starts with this fast driving scene, and it only (laughs) snowballs from there. Also, Kimmy's condescending. Just a little bit. <laughs> what are you thinking of specifically? <laughs> when they're when they're getting fitted. Oh, yeah, we're at a bridesmaid's dress fitting now. Yeah, they're, they're getting fitted for their dresses. And, sh- you know, Kimmy's just like, you know, I used to be like you. <laughs> afraid of love. Or something <laughs> like that. Yeah.
1: Well, I thought I was like you. I'm proud to be. Until I met rumpled, smelly old Michael. Then I found I was just a sentimental schmuck like all those flighty nitwits I'd always pitied. It's funny, huh? Like
0: I think that Kimmy knows. Kimmy has the upper hand here. She thinks, but I just hate that we have these two stereotyped women working against each other. Like it's just—it's old for me. Carrie, <laughs> would it be a film if we weren't pitting women against each other for the attention of a man? Yeah. Absolutely not. But like, look at him. I know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. Now Kimmy is taking Jules to a big lunch at the Hilton with her family, and they're walking up to the elevator in the parking garage, and Kim is telling Jules about how they're not even going to get a honeymoon after they get married, because Michael is a sports writer for a living. He looks like he could have been a baseball player. uh, mm. Oh, yeah. You know I like baseball boys. I know you do. (laughs) They're conversating, LOL, in the elevator. They're going through this laundry list of things about why Michael is the most irritating part ever. It's a long list. Like, he snores too loud, he smokes cigars in bed, on and on and on. This is where things take a creepy left turn. Because Oh my god! (laughs) After two weeks of cataloging all of his faults, I made a command decision that changed my life. Kimmy just turns around and pushes the emergency stop button. What the hell, dude? I threw the list away. He's not a balance sheet. He's Michael, and loving him means loving all of him. You get nervous
1: in small, confined spaces. So sweet of you to want to be protective, but nothing ever could, ever
0: did give me one moment's pause about this marriage. You become hysterical in small, confined spaces. Steps one. You. She starts talking about how Michael has Jules as an ideal for the perfect woman. And he'll always love her and talk about her. And claustrophobic Julianne is freaking out. She's like, this is literally the one thing I did not want to happen. <laughs> Do you get hysterical in small spaces? <laughs> because somebody clearly does. Like, I see what you mean about Kimmy. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of want to believe she's very sweet and she's kind of the victim here. And, she, and but, she is. But she knows. She knows. She has been new about this. She's playing it something. Mm -hmm. You know, she's making it very clear that she knows that Michael chose her. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) Julianne literally presses that button again and as soon as those doors open, she runs right out into the dining hall into an hors d'oeuvre tray. Of course. Do you want to talk about some of Kimmy's family who we meet? When she gets off the elevator? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You want to talk about, I think they're her cousins. Oh, the the two yokels? <laughs> Did
1: you say the wrong thing again? Mm. That is so in character. Could Potter? <laughs> We'd be the vengeful sluts. You can just call us eager. Hey, have you sized up the groomsmen jewels? As Emma Bates, you get first pick. Don't pick the short, hairy, fat one. <laughs> he's mine. he's <laughs> a virgin.
0: They're telling her not to pick the short, hairy, fat groomsman. <laughs> he's mine. He's mine. <laughs> I love them. They're another great side. They're a, I keep talking about them like they're one character because they're always next to each other and they're always riffing off of each other. They just remind me of sisters, sisters. Yes, I know. They never were two more devoted sisters. After lunch, we go to the ballpark. Like, I don't know what ballpark we're at, but we are at- You don't know what ballpark we're at? Is it Wrigley Field? Dude! I don't know the sport! (laughs) You think I'm gonna know the names of the fields they play on? Please! Oh no, men watching baseball! Yeah, Julianne goes by herself to the ballpark so she can hang out with Michael and his groomsmen. We meet Walter, Kimmy's father, who, for all intents and purposes, is a nice guy. He's just a millionaire, so- whatever. And we meet Michael's dad Joe, who he th- he's the one that's actually been with us before. He was the cranky neighbor yes. on C- Christmas with the cranks. And like he's got a little brother named Scotty who I don't know how We've seen his face. I know. I couldn't place him though. Isn't he isn't he like the oldest brother on Malcolm in the middle, Chris Masterson? Oh my god. Yep. Yep. yep Holy yep. crap. Uh-huh. Uh Uh-huh. And so, like, Julianne gets there. She starts passing out beers, and she is turning on the flirt so hard. Mm. I cannot stand it. I love how there's a sequence where they are actually there, but then there's another where they're basically standing in front of a screen. (laughs) And that's where I wrote, don't you love how at the game they actually are? Yeah, they look. Like, they're up in, like, the right outfield bleachers just by themselves. Like, that was two days. Yeah. (laughs) That was two separate days of filming. I smell some reshoots. I think they only had one full day of filming at the actual field, and then they had to go back and edit in a screen. Hey, luxury boxes are expensive. And, like, they're standing in the outfield stands having a chat, and it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly why the two of them fell apart the first time. Jules was not an affectionate person when they were together.
1: When I hug her, even in public, I don't have to let go right away. She lets me hold her as long as I want.
0: Batting second, number three.
1: What? Oh,
0: Nothing. Uh, yeah, I forgot. You and that Yaki love stuff. Like, he would try to hug her in public and she would, like, try to pull away from him. You always get like that when I get sentimental. No, I do not! <laughs> and then you go, Okay. <laughs> Like, aw. I know, right? I would do anything for him. I know, I know. I know you would die to be joked. <laughs> I jewels. would not withdraw from him in public. Like, if you're not an affectionate person, fine. Find someone who can handle that. But Michael couldn't, and that's his prerogative. But she wants him to know that I am now okay with the yucky love stuff. Oh my god! Like she <laughs> she is looking for any excuse to let him know how available she is. I just want to look at him. I know. I just want to look at him all. Day. But would you try to break up his marriage to Cameron Diaz if he told you he really loved her? Well, no. Yeah, because that's crazy. You're not a monster. Ugh. And so, okay. Oh, here we are. <laughs> so one of the things that was said in the elevator between Julianne and Kimmy that we didn't really talk about was that Michael can sing, but Kimmy can't carry a note. Her words, not mine. And he likes the karaoke bars. Karaoke bars in the 90s were it, man. Now that Jules knows that Kimmy can't sing, she does a bad thing. She hauls them to a karaoke bar. This is so gross because I don't know if y'all have ever seen a movie before, but she's planning to embarrass her. Also, Kimmy is horrified when she walks in. There's so many people people in there. I've never seen that many people in a karaoke bar. I love how they get sat down and the guy comes up to ask them what they want and, the, and then Mike and Jules immediately at the same time go, margarita. And then they start doing that thing that best friends do where everyone else is not there. Oh no, the three of them are sitting at this tiny table and Michael and Julianne are knee to knee telling inside jokes back and forth and holy Mary, mother of Christ the amount of forced laughing Julia Roberts does in this movie
1: Florence. Yeah. It is. Hey, uh, me hanging on in the rain all my life. Oh, love Florence. And uh, there's a guy with a thing <laughs>
0: Where's my pass? <laughs> uh-huh. Now no, the pier is for fishing. It's French kissing. Fishing. Fishing. i always loved Florence. And then when Kimmy interrupts, it's it's. I love this because it's barely noticeable. But when she interrupts, like, I love Florence. Like, you see Michael scooch back around the table and sit next to her, like he's in the frame with her now. It's like his brain went, huh, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This drunk woman starts hassling Kimmy to get up and sing for everybody, and Jules does an evil thing. Yeah. She takes the microphone from this woman, acts like she's going to hand it off to someone else, and then says, give it up for Miss Kimberly Wallace. The singing is is so bad. I was warned about this. I know. like, (laughs) Folks, you might want to just turn the audio down a smidge because this is just truly nails on a chalkboard. What song does she start singing? I just don't know what to do with myself. Don't know just what to do with myself. I'm so used to do. Oh, the singing is bad. It's wretched. It's like, I love the look on Michael's face. (laughs) Just like the open mouth, wide eyed, like, oh, wow. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad. And people like, shut up. (laughs) You suck. Get lost. I don't know if y'all saw Annie, but this is almost as bad as that. Oh, my God. (laughs) When she was Miss Hannigan and Annie? You can have really great production or really (laughs) great talent you can't have both
1: <laughs>
0: This whole time Jules is sitting there at the table expecting the crowd to just boo her out of there and really embarrass her and the longer she hangs in there, the, the longer she goes without giving up, the more the crowd is kind of on her side it gets cute. Yeah, it honestly gets cute.. Like a summer. starts cheering for her. And then you know, Jules is like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> and Michael, he is not embarrassed. He's he's just he's lit up. He's lit up like a Christmas tree. It's cuz she's doing something he likes. And she, even though she's terrible at it. Yeah, and she doesn't care and he's and she's hanging in there. And like she gets big applause and she sits down and he goes that was terrible <laughs> absolutely terrible but it's like oh it's so funny and I just love how Jules is sitting there like shit well that didn't work this is where I wrote he can do no wrong in my eyes and I know that's bad <laughs> yeah no you need to resist that impulse since the karaoke thing didn't work, Julianne moves into the next phase of her evil plan, which is direct sabotage. She is going to directly meddle in their relationship by causing a fight over Michael's job. Kimmy talks a big game about wanting to be supportive of his career and following him around the country because she wants to be his doting wife, but in reality, she really would prefer to not have to drop out of school and not follow him around and would really like him to have a desk job in her daddy's company. But she's gonna stand by her man. And, like, Jules is giving her the impression that Michael wants a desk job, even though he doesn't. He loves his stupid, gross job. Yeah. He's underpaid, overworked, and sometimes his copy doesn't even show up in the magazine. Like, so it could be a lot of work for nothing. But he loves it. And, like, she starts explaining to her, just tell your father to do a favor for Michael. We make your dad a co-conspirator.
1: Kim, Michael does a favor for Walter. Walter's reorganizing his public relations and needs a a brilliant guy that he's close to, that he can completely trust, then you beg. Michael, please do this for daddy. It's
0: only six months. It would mean so much to me. And she's like, by the time six months are up, he will be stable, he will be content, he will be settled. And you never have to worry about flying around the country again. And I'm just like, mmm, this... This is, this is so ugly. She about ruins it. Oh, she does. She goes to this little lunch with the two of them, and she's like, all right, Kimmy, you gotta speak up, and you gotta tell him what you want. So they all sit down, and Kimmy, right off the bat, gets right down to business. So she she starts to timidly ask him if he would consider a position at her father's firm, and he gets real nasty he real get, quick. He gets super butt-hurt about it. Because he sees right through it. He doesn't believe that it's Walter that wants the favor. He thinks this is a ruse by Kimmy, and it is, but like... <laughs> Manipulated by jewels. Yup. You know what I mean? Exactly. Just
1: come out and say it. My job's not good enough. I'm not good enough.
0: Michael, I've never said that.
1: Great, Kim. You wait till two days before our wedding to lay this on me, and I'm supposed to just roll over and drool. No. <laughs> Fine. I'm the asshole. I'm an insensitive, sexist asshole. No You're Michael. better off without no, me. No, Michael,
0: no. He gets super pissed off, and she finally just goes, Wait a minute. Forget the whole thing or I'll just die. Oh my God, she starts crying. He's getting up to leave and grabs him by the arm. No, wait, I take it back oh my god and I just and again Jules is like are you fucking kidding me she cannot break them up no matter how diabolical she tries to be (laughs) leaving George the message oh my god this is one of my favorite parts of the movie we're at George's apartment and he's having a classic dinner party we will be casually interrupting George just doing gay shit throughout the movie absolutely He's having a little salon His phone rings and no one gets up to get it And the machine picks it up And Julia's voice just starts blaring through the house Play it George, answer this, damn it! <laughs> George, answer this, damn it! I'm an American
1: no, it's out She double-crossed what? me The little twerp Next weekend, she comes out Michael and I are it's the same old. person Self-absorbed she's and, and invadely lovable. We deserve each other. I'm running out of time. I'm completely out of sneaky ideas. I have come to the end of my rapidly fraying rope. George, you have got to think of something.
0: She's coming unhinged.
1: She is. I love that where
0: she's like, I have come to the end of my rapidly fraying rope. <laughs> I think about that once a week. <laughs> my rapidly fraying rope. And also, just like, That? George to the rescue? Without being asked, without being given instructions, he just gets on a plane to Chicago the next morning. What a guy. I know. What a guy. Uh, The next morning, we find Jules having committed... (laughs) Suicide by (laughs) minibar. That's what George calls it, yeah. he by minibar. She's cleaned out the minibar, all the liquor bottles, all the chocolate. She is depressed. And she's like, just dude, what am I going to do? This is my whole life's happiness. She feels so invested in this. And like, George, George... God, I love George. He's the best character in the movie, not because he's the best gay, but because he's the only voice of reason in her life. Like, I'm sick and tired of flopping back and forth between Team Jules and Team Not-Jules. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, you just, you want to feel one way and stick to it. Like, you you want this for her, but at the same time, she's being nuts. She is. (laughs) And, like, he's listening to her rationalize and rationalize and make excuses. He was in love with me for nine goddamn years. Me! And, like, he finally sits her down on the bed and says, Jules, do you really love him, or is this just about winning? Mm. I think it's about winning, guys. I think she actually loves him. No, listen, I, I think two things can be true. And I'll go into that a little bit more later, but I really do think she does love him, but I also think that this is just about winning, because that's who she is. She's a very competitive, balls-to-the-wall person. She He basically is just like...
1: Just tell him you love him. Julian, tell him, tell him you've loved him for nine years, but that you're afraid of love. Yeah, tell him you're afraid of love, afraid of needing. Needing what? To belong to someone. We all ask for you, huh? I'm sorry about that.
0: And guys, we've all been there once or twice. Maybe it might have been a good thing, but you couldn't handle it at the moment. This exact same thing has happened to me. And I think this is why I'm so, you know, going back and forth between I am Team Jules and I'm not. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I've been there not this deep or this crazy. Oh, no. You've never tried to break somebody up before. No, 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 no. So she takes George with her to the tailor where Michael is being fitted for a tux. George gives them their space. He goes to browse the Armani. And Julia's doing that thing again where she's trying to articulate her feelings. And it's like she learned to speak yesterday. She can't get it out because she's not comfortable with the yucky love stuff. When I saw George pitter-pattering around in the background, (laughs) I knew I knew in that moment. You knew what she was going to pull? And that's when I wrote, oh, God, no, do not use George. (laughs) Do not use that beautiful man in your ploy. Guess what she's going to do? She comes right up to that line, and instead of being honest with Michael, she tells another lie. She tells him, George is her fiancé. Remember, George, the homosexual?
1: Uh, I'm speechless. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's Jules.
0: (laughs) Congratulations. congratulations. What?
1: I I told him, puppy. I mean, if we're engaged, we really shouldn't be ashamed of it. (laughs) He's racing back to New York. He just came in for a few hours to, uh, to, uh, fuck me.
0: The horror on George's face when they're in the back of the cab. Oh my god! All three of them together: George, Jules, and Michael. Because he's going along with it. Yeah, and Michael's just kind of like confused and staring out the window. And Jules, it, I love how Jules is just staring at him, staring out the window. <laughs> and George is like trying to put his arms around, and he goes, "He's trying to grope her breasts." Like he's trying to play along because he's a good fucking friend, right? And. He, <laughs> She says to Michael, Are you okay? And he's like, Well yeah, it's just like I'm just a little confused. Like
1: I guess it's just the way that you always talked about George. It always seemed. seemed like um it sounded like George was gay. Actually, yes. <laughs> <Common>
0: misconception. <laughs> I was under the impression that George was and then George goes, gay. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, yeah, and he's like, and then Jules goes, Oh, he just likes to pretend to be gay. And I went, oh, I wrote, oh, being gay is so funny, isn't it? There is a part of me that is (laughs) deeply offended by the fact that she's pulled George into this mess. He flew to Chicago to talk you through your shit and you are using him in the most ugly way. Like, gays are already used in film narrative to just make a main character look like a good person. Like, oh, look, they can't be a bad person. Their best friend is gay. Or they're used as comic relief or the butt of the joke. We've had this conversation before. But she's taking total advantage of him and using him for her selfish, horrible scheme. They show up to the church for the rehearsal, (laughs) all three of them together. My God. Kimmy running up to her (laughs) because she's excited to hear about her engagement. Oh, my God. I think it's half, oh, I'm so happy for you, and half, oh, I don't have to worry about you anymore. The way she's screaming, it's like she won the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) (laughs) like she's just screaming like I wanted to turn it off or fast forward I was like it went on for way too long and you know what else I love from the moment we're meeting new people George is determined to embarrass the hell out of Jules he's spectacular oh I just love it first of all he's overplaying the straight thing like hey how you doing my name's George (laughs) and then like when they're walking away they're walking down the aisle and she goes you're going to humiliate me, aren't you? <laughs> Only if I can. <laughs> yes, George, yes! I love how when they're all sitting and eating at oh the my table. God. The, rehe- the I'm so sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but the the, re- the place where this rehearsal dinner is taking place is called Barry Barracuda's. What? It's like a Joe's Crab Shack kind of joint. The waitresses are wearing sundresses and Gordon's fisherman hats. Midwest Explained. <laughs> I can Okay, I'm sorry. Please go on with what you were saying. I love when they're sitting there at the table and George is playing it straight and everybody's just in love with George. The whole time they're sitting there, I'm looking at... Well, you know I'm looking at Michael. Right. And I'm just like, he he knows. Like, there's some... You can see in his face. He doesn't get this at all. Like, he he knows underneath it all, that this is fake. I don't know, man. I think he's confused by his jealousy. I think he thought that he was past all of this, his emotional business with Julia. And I think that being told that she's getting married to someone else, it's like a dog with a toy, right? Like, you never want to play with your toy until another dog has it. George makes up this ridiculous story about Dion Warwick and... The engagement? Isabel asks him, how did you and Julianne meet? And he makes up this story on the spot about how both he and Julianne were visiting people who were in mental institutions. He was seeing some poor guy... Who had lost touch with reality and now believed himself to be Dionne Warwick? <laughs> you know, like the singer. Oh, oh, okay, that's what happened. Yeah, no, he wasn't actually visiting Dionne Warwick in a mental institution. Okay, this whole elaborate image of her coming through these double doors, and from the first moment he met her, he knew that they were going to end up married. And guys, this is my favorite scene. This is my favorite scene in the whole movie. And now we've arrived at why. Oh yeah, because they're. Yep. Yeah, this is what I wrote. I went, Oh, they're singing the song. Yeah, they're doing it. <laughs> While combing in my hair now? What wondering what dress to wear
1: now? <laughs> I say a little prayer for you. Forever and ever, you Just stay in my heart now.
0: for me right. George just breaks into song and everybody else starts singing along with him yeah like they everybody just breaks out and I'm like huh this is a busy full restaurant also the Aretha version is better Oh stop I'm it just saying. you don't want Dion to hear you say that Well when I see her at our next luncheon <laughs> I'll be sure to tell her listen I think Aretha's better but you you were the blueprint everybody's singing now and Michael? Is visibly uncomfortable. <laughs> like he and Jules are the only two people who are not singing. He's watching George, like touch on her, hold her close, and like just regale everybody with song. And you can tell he's—he's he's jealous. Is, is that jealousy, yeah. sir? Yeah, <laughs> you got a little jealousy on your face there, I'm sir. Sorry, he wants her too. Like, I know. Latently, however, latently he wants her to. to, this race, to this The cocktail of horror and awkwardness on Julianne's face is more than deserved. And I just love it that everyone else is having a pretty good time. Everyone else but her is having a good time and that makes me feel happy. So, George has to get back to wherever he came from. I don't know where they live, her and George. Is it in L.A. or someplace on the coast? Where do food critics live? They usually live in L.A. or in New York. So, New Angeles. Yes. Okay, fine. Los York. So. (laughs) They're from Los York. George has to get back to Los York. He's like, well, I've done all the damage I can do around this popsicle stand. (laughs) He looks at Jules and he's like, either tell the guy you love him or stop bothering me about this because this is asinine. Yeah. And like this is this is where I oh I can already see you right now. You are getting charged up over this next scene. You wanna know what my note was? What's your note? Why am I crying, Carrie Ann? What the fuck? <laughs> I started this out expecting to hate it. It just got whacker and whacker and whacker <laughs> and crazy. And now I'm crying. Like I feel like a hysterical mess. So Michael knows that this is probably going to be one of the last days they'll have together before he's a married man. Please spend some time alone. Yeah, he wants to spend time alone with Julianne. So they get tickets for this uh, tourist ferry boat. Is that what they're on? They're going down the river that runs through Chicago. The Chicago River. It's a beautiful sunny day. They're standing on the back of the boat. Everyone else is looking at buildings and they're in the middle of some real deep conversation. Michael's trying to articulate that he feels this wedding is moving in a whirlwind. He feels a little out of control and he's trying to rationalize it. I love this moment because he's talking about Kimmy. I love this moment because the boat is getting ready to pass under a bridge and Michael is saying something that Kimmy always says where it's like,
1: Kimmy says if you love someone, you say it. You say it right then, out loud. Otherwise, the moment just...
0: Passes you by. That would be the moment to say it, right? Dude, that that moment is intense when they go under the bridge. Cause she's just looking at him, and, yeah, you're and like, they're just like longingly staring at each other. And I'm like, say it, say it. You think the words are just gonna fall out of her mouth? Now's the opportunity, Jules. Like, but nope. Jules lets that moment pass by. They come out from under that bridge, and the sunlight hits her, and she says nothing and tears. That's where I wrote, why the fuck am I crying, Carrie, and I hate you? (laughs) It's clear that Michael is having some doubts about this wedding. He thinks it's a bad thing that he and Kimmy don't have a song. Which, like, I get where he's coming from on that, but Gavin and I really don't have a song per se. You do. We have a couple of songs. Well, you, you do have a song like yeah when decided by me yeah but like you know (laughs) when the day met the night by panic at the disco absolutely that is your and gavin's song but like he thinks it's weird that he and kimmy don't have a song and that gets him to think about the song that he and julianne had together which was what ross the way you look tonight by frank sinatra one of the most romantic songs that's ever existed and what does this himbo do Oh my god. He, he starts us singing it to her. Oh, he pulls her close and puts her head on his shoulder and he's singing.
1: With each word, your tenderness grows, tearing my fears apart. With each laugh that wrinkles your nose, touches.
0: And you can see her wiping the tears from her eyes. And it's like, okay, 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 I feel a little bad. I do. This is rough. I do feel a little bad that she feels like she's losing something here, but I really don't... Guess what, though? What? We're about to feel not so bad about it, aren't we? Oh, we sure are. Carrie Ann, you're going to need to talk through this and I will comment. (laughs) Okay? You're a little angry over there? I... This is where it all fell apart for me. Oh, I know. You're not on Team Julia anymore, Uh, are you? No, no, no. Okay. Now that she's had this cathartic moment on that boat, she knows. She knows her heart is in this. She has to put a stop to this at all costs. This is inexcusable. She orchestrates it so that she is the one who picks Mr. Wallace up from his office building to take him to the bachelor party. Mm-hmm. So sh- she's in his office building. Uh. While she's waiting for him to wrap his meeting up, he lets her make phone calls in his office. This is where Julianne sits down at Walter Wallace's desk, opens his 1997 Gateway laptop, goes into his archaic-looking email. That email? I know! The word. Is just like a blank page. That email ever looked like that? I'm I just, know. I'm stunned. She starts drafting a letter to Michael's boss. I have offered Mike O'Neill, my new son in law, a
1: great opportunity for my company to his own detriment. Michael will not
0: accept our offer. While he works for you. She's trying to make it look like Walter wants Michael's boss to fire him so he can come work for Walter's media company. This bitch is crazy. Can you even imagine? She is really losing it. She is willing to go as far as getting him fired from a job he loves... She wrote the whole thing out, typed the whole thing out in email. Her finger is like hovering over the mouse. Delete or save for later. And she f- grows a conscience at the last second and she doesn't do it. But she's like, why would I do that? He'd get fired. Well, I should think so. You didn't think about that while you were, that wasn't in your mind while you were writing it out? Like, See, I really don't think she thinks these things through at all. But instead of deleting it, she saves it in his drafts. Before they leave together. Mr. Wallace is like, hey, secretary, can you? I'm sure she has a name. (laughs) Hey, can you? I've got like five outstanding emails. Could you just go ahead and send those? So like the email that wasn't supposed to get sent. Gets sent. Gets sent. And she, oh my God, cut to her freaking out on the sidewalk in the dead of night. She's trying to bring Michael back to the office under the guise of like forgetting something so he can see this email draft. But the building is locked tight. I can't believe this. Did you try every key?
1: It's no big deal. She just gave us the wrong set of keys. No,
0: no, there's got to be a janitor
1: or a a guard or a waiting woman or, you know, some kind of, I mean,
0: somebody has to be in this building. I need, I need a brick. She's kicking doors, rattling the handles. She's like, there's got to be someone in this building. I've got to get up there. I need to find a brick. Is there a brick? (laughs) She starts looking at the ground and I'm like, you're you're unhinged, ma'am. <laughs> oh, my God. You're unhinged, and I cannot deal with you right now. I love Michael. He's looking at her like this is not a big deal. He's, yeah. He's like, come on, kid. Can't win them all. Can't win them all. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, the knife goes deeper. Do you really love him, Jules, or is this just about winning? Jules, if this is just about winning, I will take him. <laughs> I know, right? Like. You are waiting to take that job. They go back to the hotel where they're both staying and they're both going up to their room. They're staying on the same floor and he's going to take her back with the right set of keys and get her in. He's going to do her a favor, but he's got mail waiting for him when they get up to their rooms. It's from his boss at Sports Magazine. She takes the facts from him and she starts reading it. And of course, it's the email she wrote. Oh, are we horrified? Oh, I should hope so. Are we horrified at what we've done, Jules? He picks up the phone to call Kim and sends Julianne out of the room so they can talk privately. And Jules is sitting in the hallway, smoking a cigarette. She smokes Reds also. Oh, she is looking like that Ben Affleck meme, if I've ever seen one. Just hating life, sucking off... On that cigarette. This two to three minutes of screen time with Paul Giamatti <laughs> who works for this hotel, he's a bellboy. A bellman. A bellman. Yeah, I yeah bell man. He is a baby though. Like this is the youngest I've ever seen Paul Giamatti in a movie. This is pre-Truman show Paul Giamatti. Yeah. So he wasn't big yet and pa- Truman Show is kind of what Not launched Paul Giamatti, but was like, hey, you can, yeah, you can come sit at our table. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And he notices her sitting there smoking and he goes, um, ma'am, it's a non-smoking floor. Could you like put that out?
1: Uh, well, it's, it's a non-smoking floor too. Um, maybe you could go down to the lobby. Why don't you have me arrested? I mean it. I am a dangerous criminal person. I do bad things to honest people.
0: I have in all bold, 100% agree. No notes. Perfect. I'm relishing in how crappy she feels because she should. Do you smoke? And he's like, well, yes, but yeah, it's a non-smoking floor. I know, I know. (laughs) Well, here you go. And she gives him the rest of hers. And he says, my grandmother always used to say this too shall pass and I'm like he has no idea what she's going through no. or anything like that but it's nice to see another stranger just give another human being some kindness even if she doesn't deserve it a blind and deaf man walking through that hallway could tell she's having a rough time <laughs> <laughs> Paul the bellboy goes on his way and Michael opens the door to the room and tells Julianne that he called Kimmy and Kimmy denied everything and he's gonna call off the wedding ah! I know! You you got what you wanted, Jules. You got what you wanted. And then he walks off. He leaves and she lays her head down on the hotel pillow and somehow manages to sleep that night. And, um, uh, next morning she gets knocked at the door. And it is a message. I don't know what the message says. I think that... It's something to the effect of the wedding is still on. Well, because here's the thing. He told Kimmy that the wedding was off. And Kimmy... Who's looking around at all these uh, paid service people, all this food, all this booze. (laughs) What can we say? Your face is on the tea towel now, love. Exactly. (laughs) Like She's like, I can't call this off. Look at this. It's a fucking affair. And so what Michael's going to do is he's he's left a message for Jules saying, I'm going to go to this pre-wedding brunch that her parents are having at their McMansion and I'm going to get up in front of everybody and I'm going to tell them that the wedding is off. I'm not going to just, you know, slink away like a coward. Uh, so she's like, what? <laughs> Jules gets dressed in a frenzy and takes a town car to the house, which is huge, by the way. Full of people getting ready for this wedding. She is wearing corduroys, a crop top, and she's wearing two pairs of sunglasses. Did you notice that? She's wearing a pair on her head and a pair on her nose. What? Yes. <laughs> no, I didn't notice <laughs> yes! that. I was like, oh my God. Jules, you're ridiculous. She's marching through the event looking frantically for him she spots him at a table and all she has to do is walk by him and glare <laughs> at him she's just like hmm and then she keeps walking he's like um I'm gonna be right back she pulls Michael aside and she's like are you crazy why haven't you called this off already mm-hmm. like this is the point in the movie where I start looking at the watch I don't have on and I'm like is this really not over yet <laughs> this movie for me is about 15 minutes too long like it ends several times you know what I mean And he claims he's not changing his mind, but for some goddamn reason, he sends Jules to play premarital counselor and check on Kimmy. Like, why is he still continuing to involve her in this? If he's so convicted in the idea of not marrying this woman, why is he still trying to save it? Kimmy's staring at the florist, half weepy, like, these are the most beautiful flowers I've ever seen. Oh, she's in pieces. I hate that I'm feeling bad for her, but I am. They go and they sit down. And, like, Jules starts playing psychology mind games with her, right? Or we're playing word games where, uh, where she is in she's, her... She is trying to hold this together with Elmer's glue. <laughs> this is where we get the creme brulee jello conversation. <laughs> Suddenly- Michael realizes he doesn't want creme brulee.
1: He wants something else. What does he want? Jello. Jello?
0: Why does he want Jell-O? Because he's comfortable with Jell-O. <laughs> I love how offended she is when she's like, Whoa, why would he want Jell-O? Because he's comfortable with Jell-O. <laughs> she's so mad. Because obviously, in this stupid fucking analogy, Jules is Jell-O and Kimmy is creme brulee. Throughout this entire conversation, did you hear what I heard? No, I didn't. There's what? a bird being too loud. Oh! Yes! I, th- that w- that must have been a frustrating scene to shoot. Because they're obviously outside, and there is a bird just a- chirping away. And it's really distracting. I had to pause the television to make sure there wasn't a bird in my house. I Just my heart goes out to that sound editor. <laughs> I'm like, you can't hear the emotions! And so Kimmy decides she's going to send her back to him to see if this is still going to go on. Here's what I don't get. Like, she goes back to Michael and says, you know, she says it's all her fault, she still wants to marry you, blah, blah, blah. Like, she puts this back together again, only to blow it up one more time. And I don't get that. This event is ridiculous. The grounds for this McMansion property are expansive. This is White Sox money. White being the operative word. Absolutely. <laughs> Crime and netley. Okay, I have in all capital letters... We've arrived at the gazebo scene. Guys, this is the scene. This is the scene where she spills the beans, right? Mm. It's very famous. We see it in every trailer for this movie. And what I love about this scene is that it's so textbook Julia Roberts rom-com. Yeah. Like, her movies usually end up here, where she's bravely admitting her love for the man who's on the movie poster with her. I'm just a girl looking at a man. Asking him to love me. It is almost identical to that scene in Notting Hill where she's trying to, you know, get with Hugh Grant in the bookshop. She basically looks at him and is like, listen, been in love with you for like 10 years. And I was afraid before and I'm not afraid now. And I love you.
1: I I, I realize this comes at a very inopportune time, but I really have this gigantic favor to ask of you. Choose me. Marry me. Let me make you happy. <laughs> that sounds like three bears. doesn't it?
0: <laughs> then I wrote, off. fuck, they kissing. Oh no, she kisses him. It is his wedding day. And then like a deer in headlights, we see that Kimmy is witnessing all of this. Oh my God, he looks over her shoulder and there's Kimmy, slack-jawed, watching in horror. Kim! And so we now begin a chase. Kimmy runs away in tears. He runs after Kimmy. She runs after Michael. They're tearing ass across this huge lawn and like people are like eating lunch watching them chase each other. Kimmy gets in the car. She's driving off the grounds. Michael is following her in her car. Jules doesn't have a car. She's like there's gotta be an open car around here somewhere and she's trying every door and they're all locked. She's like oh my god what is wrong with society today? Does (laughs) nobody trust anybody anymore? She finally steals a bread truck. She commandeers the bread van, guys. It's like one of the vendor's vans that they just happen to leave the keys in. This is where I wrote, (laughs) I love how we just keep interrupting George doing gay shit What's he, is he at like a book signing? He's at a book reading or something and he gets her call. And she's like, everything is fucked. It's not going well. (laughs) She tells him the whole horrifying story. How she confessed her love for Michael and kissed him and Kimmy saw the whole thing. And he has to interrupt her. I just, this is where I wrote again, God, I love George. Everyone needs a George in their life. Michael's chasing Kimmy. Yes. You're
1: chasing Michael. Yes. Who's chasing you? Nobody. Get it? There's your answer, Kimmy. No! Yes! Jules, you are not the one! (laughs) Enough for God's sake, the
0: wedding is at 6 p.m.
1: You have a small but distinct window of opportunity to do
0: the right thing. (sighs) And so she's driving by Union Station, sees Michael's car, and she's like, she gets out, goes into Union Station, like, searches the whole platform for him, and finally finds him on a bench, sulking. She sits down and tells him the truth about the letter that, quote, Walter sent to his boss. That she wrote it. It was all part of a sick plan to drive a wedge between him and Kimmy. I just love him. Are you completely insane? <laughs> and I wrote, she is completely insane. Like, remember when she's like, I'm the bad guy. And I'm like, yep, I said it an hour and a half ago. She's the bad guy. I'm Bon scum. Well... Lower, actually. I'm
1: like the the fungus that feeds on pond scum. Lower. The pus that infects the mucus that cruds up the fungus that feeds on the pond scum.
0: I hate that there's a butt. I know. How is he okay right now? I would have dragged her by her cocker spaniel head to Lake Michigan tossed her around and thrown her in. Oh, my God. No, I get it. She did a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And, like, I just, but I think the way Michael looks at it, and and he even says as much, he's like, thank you for loving me that much. Like, he sees it as a compliment because she's a person who was never affectionate, right? Mm -hmm. But here's what I'll say. I really think, I think the two things can be true. I think she does love him. I don't think she loves him in the way she claims to love him. I think he's just a very big part of her life. And this wedding to another woman, she's used to being the woman in his life. And this marriage to another woman is going to be kind of a loss for her. Mm. She's not going to be his person anymore. So I think she's also mourning that loss. You know who I think truly actually loves him? Who? Me. (laughs) Why are your feelings not being represented here? If I could just hop in my time machine back to 1997, I would marry you, Michael. I would. <laughs> anyway, now that we've divulged the truth, I love how she immediately gets in gear and is like, okay, we need for you to be a happy man at six o'clock tonight. Yeah, I'd really hate to be you at six o'clock. She went, we'll split up you'll go all your places, I'll go some special places, and we'll find her. Jules calls the McMansion and asks (laughs) if anyone in the family has seen or heard from Kimmy. (laughs) And remember the vengeful sluts, the cousins? Yes. Yeah. You can just call them eager. Yeah. One of them answers the phone, and they're like, I haven't seen Kimmy, she must have slipped out during the commotion. The commotion of her sister getting her tongue frozen to the penis of an ice sculpture of the, of the David, Michelangelo's David. We're filleting the statue of David <laughs> in ice. What in the world? I love how that one guy is like, please, no pictures. And her mother using the blow dry the hair dryer <laughs> to melt it away from her tongue. <laughs> oh
1: my God. Uh-huh. And so Kimmy would be. Uh, she's probably with Michael doing the nasty. Either that or crying in her nachos down at Kamiski Park. Excuse me? I have this crank call from some guy who says he saw her in the luxury box. Right, okay. What uh, a bride be doing. Right, right.
0: Listen, can you bring my dress to the church and uh, and I have to pick something up for the ceremony. How much do you love this scene in the Kaminsky Park bathroom? <laughs> she waltzes into that bathroom. You're like, Kimmy, Kimmy, I know you're in here. Immediately, she has everybody in that bathroom's attention. <laughs> she comes out of that stall and starts letting Jules have it, and I love it. Do you love this moment? I do. Captain You came here pretending to be my friend, and I made you my maid of honor. Who asked you to do that? You knew me, what, eight minutes? Michael
1: trusted you, so I trusted you. You wanted to keep me close. You didn't trust me for a second. I was right. Well, of course you were right, but that's not my fault. You
0: kissed him! At my parents' house on my wedding day. What? Bitch, tramp. The way she's like, "All right, all right, I tried to steal him. I get it, my bad." Like, <laughs> but you know what? He doesn't love me. He loves you. Like she's trying to put this back together. We're trying to do right. We still hate you, Jules. Yeah, we still hate you. You're you're not off my shit list yet. And then like they hug, and that's this is where I wrote, "I'm sick of this shit." <laughs> I- this has been an absolute roller coaster. <laughs> You're sick of having your feelings messed with. This wedding. Oh, the wedding? The singing in Latin in the gigantic church in the. Oh my God. Kimmy's still electing to have her as her maid of honor. I know. After all of that, she still lets her be the maid of honor. Speaking of Kimmy, can we talk about the look for just one minute, please? Gorgeous. The dress has some Princess Di vibes. Like, she doesn't have the big puffy shoulders, but she's got long sleeves and just layers and layers and layers of petticoats. She looks like a princess. Are you over there crying about Princess Di? Oh, I'm thinking about Michael. Oh, no. Him at the altar, he looks so good. And <laughs> then mm, That smile. Oh, that smile. I just want to eat him. Oh, when he sees her. Oh, he's so happy. I know don't you just want to die I want to marry him (laughs) cut to the wedding party oh my god we are at the reception now it's Jules turn to talk again this is the part of the movie that Gavin couldn't handle because he didn't watch this with me he only caught like the last 10 minutes as I was finishing up my notes and like Jules stands up there she does say some very lovely things about how, you know, she sees the two of them together and she knows. She knows it's right. It may kill her inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she knows it's right. Michael's happy and that's the way it ought to be. But you know what? While she's talking, he's going to cry. And like, Oh, and it breaks me. Oh, oh it breaks me. <laughs> never, I never again want to see that man sad. Oh, I know. So don't watch Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but like, and the the other amazing thing that she does is she was, she says this thing about how they don't have a song, right? Uh-huh. This is on loan
1: until you two find your song.
0: I could see how a person would look at this and go, "Oh my god." Cuz it's a beautiful moment, right? It's like It's like her blessing Mm. In a weird way Uh. No, I know Because this is where Gavin goes Was that their song? And I said yes And he goes That is the shittiest thing She could have possibly done In that moment Listen, this is so problematic To quote Gavin What a little shit sucker But at the same time You know, as much as I've hated her Throughout this I'm still feeling bad for her And I hate it I know We should not feel bad about it She is not the victim here So they run out all happy. we throw the rice. She tries to catch up to him, uh-huh. but she can't. She gets stopped by the crowd, and then she turns around and he's there. He comes running back after her to make sure he says goodbye. gives her a big hug and says bye <laughs> <laughs> like you think were you were you hoping for a little more there? I was wanting a last kiss, but It's better that there wasn't one. He is married, Ross. (laughs) Kissing another lady on your wedding night. (laughs) And this is where I wrote Well, my soul is fucking crushed. (laughs) But wait, wait, wait. Let's not skip on one of my favorite parts of the movie. No, not at all. This is one of my favorite endings to a movie ever. Take us out. She is sitting at a table. She is just heavy sighing. She did the right thing. That's all off her chest. That monstrous cell phone rings again. And it's George. Mm -hmm. He's talking about her. Hey, did you do the right thing? And she's like, yes, but I'm not happy about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like he starts saying these things to her that give her the impression. Impression that he can see her. (laughs) I see you there in your lavender dress drumming your nails against the table. George, I did not tell you my dress was lavender. She gets up and she's looking for him and he's narrating into the phone. I can't stand it. Play it.
1: Has God heard your little prayer? Will Cinderella dance again? And then, suddenly, the crowds part. And there he is.
0: And lo and behold, there he fucking is. F- dressed for the reception. What the hell, George? He got on another plane and came to comfort her because somehow he knew she was going to make the right choice. I wrote, all the good ones are gay. I know! You know what I mean? Oh my God. And he says he says this cute thing to her and he was like, listen, just for tonight, even though there might not be love. Maybe there won't be marriage.
1: Maybe there won't be sex. Oh my god. will we'll be dancing.
0: Oh my god. And they just, oh, he twirls her and starts dancing with her. I love this. And they're singing the song again. The band is singing that song again. And that's it. <laughs> my head hurts. When you called me this afternoon. I, before I came over here to do this, to record this, I called her and I went, I'm on my way to you. I'm mad at you. <laughs> And she was like, What? Why? And I'm like, No, I'm just, I'm mad at you. And she's like, Well, I can kind of tell, like, maybe why you say you're mad at me, but I don't know anyway. Like, you know what? Fuck you. I'll see you in a few. <laughs> you <laughs> it. Like, this was your suggestion. You liked it. And I've never, I can't believe I've never seen this movie before. But I have, I mean, guys, yeah, I liked it. Okay. <laughs> Mostly because of how Jermond Laroni just makes me feel the whole time. Right. But, like, here's my thing I still think. It's awful as she is, I still wanted them to end up together. Really? I did. Why else would she do all this crazy crap if she didn't truly love him? And he gets jelly too. He does. He just does. In feel- a, just in a less problematic way. She obviously really wants this, or else she wouldn't have done all this crap. I'm yelling. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, but I love it when you're like this. And like the other thing is, like, I mean, I do identify with the like, listen, you have that person you two just kind of missed each other early on and that's okay and you don't have to worry yourself fucking sick or ruin lives (laughs) to regain that feeling again right because you can find that in somebody else no yeah that i'm of the i'm the same way i believe soulmates are made not born because i mean if you believe there's only one person that's perfect out there for you you cheat everybody else you date out of a fair shot. There's someone out there who's perfect for you. And she probably lives in Tahiti. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And you won't get there by wishing and hoping and thinking and praying. And planning and dreaming and waiting and waiting. We need to end And this. waiting. <laughs> if you know, you know. All right, guys, thank you for sticking around for my best friend's wedding. I I'm glad you enjoyed that. You can send us your medical bills for the ear treatment. <laughs> I know we yelled. I'm sorry we screamed. It's it's. uh, oh, we're just. Ugh. Oh. I love that we covered this. Like, I no, been- it's great. It's. I can't believe I've never seen it. It is peak white people shit. But like at the same time. All right, everybody. Now that we've wrapped up that in a pretty little bow, guys. I cannot wait. I thought I was excited this week. I cannot even begin to describe how I am vibrating with excitement at the idea of next week. Guys, yet again, another selection I have never seen before, like, all the way through. I know of this movie very well, but, like, I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Next week, we will be covering the 1987 Adventure Romance Classic. The Princess Bride Yay Oh my god You're gonna get So many references now I'm just ready to. I'm just ready To check out Claire Underwood As a princess <laughs> <laughs> Alright so look out For that guys In the meantime You can go follow us On, face, on Twitter At kick and stream K-I-C-K-N S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at KickingAndStreamingPodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join this watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry mom. Got
1: the news, got the news, got the-